I mean, that's container relationship is your biggest container for growth. So when people are like, I'll just stay single, that's easy. I'm like, cool, go for it. But your growth and evolution is going to happen in your relationship. And it's against, it's up against, you know, what just gets stirred up really, because that's your growth edge. Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer turned CEO and the smiling coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. Our guest today is known as the Pleasure Priestess. She's a sexual liberation and somatic embodiment expert who helps dissatisfied women and their partners learn how to heal relational wounds. Erin Berry helps them explore their sexuality and reclaim their joy so they can experience mind-blowing pleasure in all areas of their life and deeply connected relationships with both themselves and their partners. Erin Berry talks with Robert Noel about sex. Another topic that no one wants to talk about. Robert and Wells share Aaron's enthusiasm for talking about sex and helping partners talk about sex. Sex is amazing and too often leaves people wanting because they don't communicate about what they enjoy and how to improve their connection. Aaron, as a sex coach, helps people communicate and find the pleasures hidden within their bodies and relationships. If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind, we get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30-minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to this conversation and I just want to appreciate Jess Bonasso for introducing you and for inviting you to be on the show. So our typical guests just share their entrepreneurial journey and then from there we just kind of see where it leads. All right, sounds good. So just start at the beginning. So. Sure. All right. Yeah, you want to share with us? Yeah. So let's see. Uh, my life kind of imploded about six years ago. Like all it was like a bad country song. I uh, got, got divorced, moved, lost my job. Like all the things happened, which now I realize was exactly divinely, like divine intervention. Um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall as my corporate job was um, sinking. I was a corporate recruiter and uh, we were laying off a bunch of people and not hiring them. And so I took that as an opportunity to create my LLC and start doing what I was really passionate about at the time, which was teaching yoga and leading retreats, which is how my business started. 
um, six years later, I'm back to using my psychology degree and I am a coach. So I started coaching women around just life and self-love and self-care and since then have become certified as a love sex relationship coach. So now I work with women around their sexuality, reclaiming their pleasure, and then I work with couples as well, helping them create uh, solid, secure, safe containers for their relationships and also helping them with their intimacy, taking that to a deeper level. So it's been quite the journey, but it's been super fun and I don't know where I'm going to go next. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand. I had my uh, nine to five. I was in government this year. So it just, it, there's just a time when it needs to, to change. It was, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have ever read the book, The Big Leap, but it talks mm -hmm. about your zone of excellence versus your zone of genius. And I know like I was great at recruiting, but I also know it was not the thing that lit me up. So that just helped push me into what really makes me excited every day. What recruiting wasn't exciting and lighting you up? <laughs> I know. And it was technical recruiting. So. Oh, even better. A little dry. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of talking about the things we don't talk about. So I love that you talk about sex and you know, it's, it's crazy to me that some of the things that are most important in life mm -hmm. and, and in relationships and um, we don't talk about, and we don't create space to talk about. And so um, sex is awkward and silly to talk about with couples, like couples. It's the most important thing that happens between a couple and they won't talk about it. And then with kids, it's the most important thing for them and their future relationships. Um, but they learn about it from pornography and on the internet and, mm -hmm. and school and friends, other places that have no idea what they're talking about. Um, you know, it's like learning from the just watching an episode on a, a sitcom that talks about, you know, the boy in seventh grade who says, yeah, I've had sex with a hundred girls and I know, I know it all. And uh, the other character, you know, claims to have, well, I'm going to have sex with 200 kids and then, you know, then I'll be better. Yeah. The, neither one of them have ever, ever touched a girl. Right. <laughs> and so we, we, we learn from all the wrong places and not willing to talk about it. And of course, another one of those areas is money and, relationships but i think you know schools don't talk about communication they don't talk about relationships um, they don't equip us to have adult relationships of any kind let alone intimate relationships yeah. and so we're kind of left to um, the discovery channel version right we we figure it out and like animals and and i i think that's pretty sad I totally agree. I always say I feel that we should be taught what we're up to in relationship around the same time that we're taught sex education in the fifth grade. It should be in elementary school at some point. You know, I have a middle schooler right now and luckily have this very open relationship with her. She knows she can come to me with any questions she has. She also knows she has to listen to then my soapbox on it. But I'm like, I want her to get the information from me because the other thing is these kids are just spreading misinformation. What I think is so interesting about talking to her about this stuff is that I have a membership where I work with women around pleasure. And some of the myths that I'm debunking for my 13 year old, I'm debunking for like 50 and 60 year old women. You know what I mean? So I feel grateful that I can speak to this stuff and clear it and create a safe space to talk about it. 
Well, so good for you to to do that with your kids because it's it, it goes against almost every every expectation in parenting today. And and the sad thing is that the school is teaching the biology right of sex, which um, hello, human yeah. beings have been you know pulling that off for thousands of years, kind of like every other animal in the animal kingdom. It's the one area of of sexuality that we just figure out, and we do it badly or poorly but but it's not the area that we should be teaching right i mean if we're going to teach sex ed in school we should be teaching um communication and pleasure and talking about you know what really works and what doesn't work instead of you know letting our kids and adults you know figure out their sexuality based on um pornography i mean ultimately that's where the majority of people are learning their sexuality and and of course learning all the wrong things and get and creating all of the wrong expectations for a relationship yeah yeah i mean that emotional component is the part like when i i was kind of appalled by the school's job of sex education like they sent us home with the book and so i was like i'm definitely going through this with her before she does it at school and uh, at a certain point, first of all, it laughed at some of it. Saw like saw one of the videos ahead of time. They didn't even have a girl in the video. It was like two confused boys. And it was from the 90s, you know, like it hadn't been updated. So there was that happening. Um, but at a certain point, you know, when we got to the like zygotes and stuff, I'm like, your science teacher can teach you this. I want to talk about pleasure. I want to talk about your pleasure, how it's just as important as everybody else's. Like don't have sex with someone to get them to like you. Like pretty much everything that I wish someone would have taught me, you know, because I think it's just so important. You know, this whole idea of like safety is something I end up working a lot with my couples with. Um, it's like never been discussed, like just how important that is. And it's not just physical safety. Sure, you might feel safe physically with your partner, but you might feel completely like emotionally unsafe or spiritually or energetically unsafe. There's all these other levels that go into sexuality that aren't being discussed. So yeah, I'm, I agree with you. And then, you know, I do get the people who reach out who have the porn addictions and their partners cannot live up to their expectations because that's not realistic sex. That's not what sex looks like. That's not what sex sounds like. You know what I mean? It's, it's so it's a superficial layer of sex. It's the actual just act of. Well, and, it, and it's fake. It's absolutely falsified. It's not based on a real relationship. It's not based on the real body and it's not based on, on reality. And so yes. when we attach expectations to that, um, somebody just recently shared a, a TEDx talk and, and the lady in the TEDx talk is basically sharing how every, all the kids today are, are bald down in their you know, region and it's based on pornography because their parents didn't teach them about that and they're and, and now we've got a, a whole generation that that pubic hair is no longer normal and and it's because of pornography that 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 was spread and it's like oh my gosh that's crazy and and it's really because nobody wants to talk about these these elements and so i i love that you're talking about it love i love creating safe space for people to for work basically anything goes right. No judgment, no. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's hard for parents. That's hard for couples. Um, and, and creating the opportunity to communicate, you know, I came out of a 
into coaching out of the pastoral ministry and sex and money are the two biggest challenges for couples. And yet sex should be the most enjoyable experience for a couple and, and money should be the most important thing that they're able to talk about. And if you can't talk about the thing that brings you the most pleasure and you can't talk about the thing that that's the most important for operating your life, what do you talk about? <laughs> well, it turns out they don't. Right. <laughs> and that's, and that's the sad, the sad thing. And then, of course, because of because of pornography, because of these expectations, um, because of the myths about sex, we've we've turned it into an animalistic, like you said, a girl having sex with a boy to get him to like you, um, or you know, men having sex with women for themselves and not doing anything to take care of of the woman's pleasure, which is more challenging. It's not as simple. It's not it. And, and it's not just a physical act, which I think for a lot of men, it it's become a physical act for simply the idea of, you know, satisfying themselves. And ultimately they're not satisfied because they're not creating the emotional connection that really belongs in, in the sex act. Um, it's and, a relationship and it's it's yeah. i mean i obviously this is an area that our culture is completely broken <laughs> and yeah. full of myth and full of craziness and unless we start talking about it nothing's going to change yeah i mean that's part of like why i do what i do is normalizing it um but also i mean you touched on something very important like women's bodies work different than men's bodies most men's bodies work the same as one another, but then all of women's bodies work different from one another. And in fact, our bodies work different from how they worked in our twenties and our thirties, you know, we change over time. And so um, what I've found fascinating in the work that I do is I assumed women were comparing themselves to porn or other women, but no, a lot of times they're comparing themselves to themselves at earlier stages in their sex lives before they had kids, before they had responsibility, before they had stress, you know, and it does, all of that affects your ability to surrender, which is the key to women's pleasure. So women are out there trying to like think their way into an force orgasm. It, force it to happen. There's right. so much of our head that's involved. What was that? There's so much of our head that is involved. Yeah, and really pleasures through the body. So as long as we stay up in our head, we block ourselves from that, but we think we can think our way into it. It's so fascinating. Well, and to me, it's it's heartbreaking because obviously it still leads to abuse. It still leads to, uh, you know, men controlling the, the sexual aspect of the relationship and, and not being a mutual relationship. You know, and obviously I think because we're not willing to talk about it, um, it leads to these opportunities for abuse. And over these last few years, you know, the Me Too movement and, and some of these movements have come out and they're making men out. Men are the bad guys. They're absolutely evil. But I think the the story that behind that is we, if we're willing to talk about it and we're willing to say, you know, hey, my my gym doctor, my gymnastics doctor, you know, put his fingers inside me saying that this will help me be a better gymnast is this true? Right. And, and it, it, uh, from us outside looking in, you're saying, well, obviously, duh, no, but 
that happened to hundreds and hundreds of girls in front of their mothers. Mm. And they were so convinced that this was a treatment to help make them better gymnasts. And, and I think the challenge is that, that we're not giving people a space to talk about these abuses and to talk about how they feel. And of course, in some cases, they try to make the victims out even worse, like they, you know, instigated it. And, and I think, you know, the way to stop abuse is for more people to be open to sharing what's happening in their lives. I feel like to talk about, yeah, the same with money, right? Like we don't talk to our neighbors about the interest rate they're paying or the extra fees they paid when they purchased their house. And, and why not? Like, how do we know that, oh, wait, I'm being charged this extra fee. That That's not fair. But the only way we know is if people start talking about money and how they're using money and what they're doing with their money and how much interest they're paying and what fees they're getting charged. It's the same thing in sex. And, yeah. and I think we've normalized some of these expectations where women aren't receiving <laughs> their fair share and they're not being taken care of in, in a healthy way. And mm -hmm. I mean, the idea that, like you said, <clears throat> women in their 50s that don't understand that there's pleasure happening in this in this exchange. Like yeah. that's heartbreaking to me. <clears throat> I mean, we've been together for 30. for 30 years and and recognizing obviously both of us have changed over those 30 years, but mutual pleasure is still our has always been and hopefully will always be the the intention of of our relationship. Um and and I know that that's doesn't happen for a lot of people. In fact, I think the majority of people aren't in that space. I think it's shifting. Um, so many things there, like the, the shame piece. I think that's what keeps people from talking about money and sex for sure. Um, depending on like what, how they were programmed and conditioned to think about sex and what's okay. Right. And, uh, what makes it right or wrong and makes them right or wrong. I think that's true of money too. Um, and then I think, I think there, like, there are really, it, it's, I was just talking to someone about this the other night. I, I mean, I feel men have had a hard go of it as well. I mean, there's been a lot of things that men have been taught are right or wrong. And so the men who are stepping up and really showing up for women now are not only fighting against everything they believe in their own bodies, but against like society at large still, you know, like the patriarchy is still alive and well, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's, it's hard work. And so I think, you know, it's great when men do show up like you who are like, I, I see what is important for women and the women who are showing up for themselves. I mean, that's one of the things that like, no matter who I work with, I usually end up working with the women separately because we, we have our own stories about things, our own shame, our own beliefs about ourselves that keep us and block us from our pleasure. Um, a lot of our conditioning is around thinking it's not as important. You know, our bodies have been used against us. You know, if you, marketing still, if you look at, you know, certain ads, you'll see women's bodies are used for other people's pleasure, not themselves. So anything that I can do to actually change that narrative and bring it back to like, no, actually it's your body and your body was wired for your pleasure. And to tap into that, that's, that's what lights me up. And I do see like women 40 through like 60 years old, that's like really our sweet spot. You know, I think that's where we move into our prime. And I think that's also where we find that freedom to be like, no, you know what? It is about me. So that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, I think that kind of ties into um, 
the empty nest and the we have yeah. this identity and we have the, these roles where we've developed over the years and we have to fill fulfill the roles that society gives us that our family gives us and it's about that you know uh, midlife crisis time where we're trying to figure out who we are as a person and if if somebody can i can totally see where that would lead into having this you know a sexual awakening or whatever you want to call it yes. to, to move into that because because they've, they've developed and they're realizing that there's more to life than just being a mom yes yeah i think we kind of can lose ourselves you know in that role in any of the roles like a lot of the women i work with uh some of them don't even know what they desire you know they've lost total touch with themselves and what's important to them and so yeah i think the empty nest divorce like anything that happens around like midlife that's a catalyst is what really starts to wake up women to their own sexuality and their own pleasure when you mentioned the stories that we tell ourselves and i think you know it's it's interesting i think and 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 maybe this is a myth but i feel like you know boys were encouraged on the sexual side and and girls were told you know no yeah not you know, it's not okay to touch yourself. It's not okay to pleasure yourself. And, and and there's this, that double standard that plays out. And, and then women that can't explore their own body, how on earth can you tell a partner what, what feels good when you've never, you have no idea. Yeah. I mean, this is supposed to feel good. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I mean, really that there, there are, I, I believe there's women that just simply believe that they're supposed to, you know, do their part for the for the man's pleasure and not for themselves and and yet they've been created with all of these pleasure centers and all these nerve endings that are designed to make them feel good and yep. they don't even know that they're there right yeah I, it's interesting i've talked to a few people that when we start talking about it, they're looking at doing sexuality work with me either in partnership or individually that they actually have this belief still that focusing on their pleasure somehow takes it away from their partner, which is the reverse actually, because the wonderful thing about being a woman is like our orgasmic potential and our pleasure potential is like never ending. Like it's not, we don't have a refractory period like men do, you know what I mean? We can just keep going. And so it actually, it's like the total opposite of that, where it's like, if you actually take time to explore yourself, like you were saying, you actually end up finding out things about yourself that you can share with your partner because there's also this assumption that your partner is going to know how to push all your buttons. Well, going back to what I just said, like we are all wired differently. We have all the same parts, but they do not work the same. And so, yeah, you have to kind of know what your own buttons are so you can tell your partner how to push them. Love that assumption. That assumption is like, that goes in communication. It, I, I, and text messaging, and now our modern communication is is so much worse in this. But those assumptions of assuming that he knows. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. 
let's get back to more greatness. Yeah. And then sitting there being frustrated when he's like missing the mark, but not like using your voice to talk. And that, and that applies, that applies not just to sex. It applies to their relationship because, Oh, if, if he loves me, he'll call me. Well, if he loves me, he'll know what to get me. Yeah. I mean, that's both sides though. There's all this like, Oh no, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that when, when I hear, when I hear, my daughter most recently was the one that I've heard, but you know, if he loves me, he'll just know what to get me. Or if he loves me, he'll know what I want. And then he comes back with, you know, the opposite coffee or the opposite drink or, you know, well, you should have known. I'm like, no, you've got to tell him, especially if you have an expectation, communicate expectations and, and Oh, so powerful. Cause the, this idea that love, love creates this, I don't know, brain connection that you just automatically know what the other person wants or needs or holy smoke. I don't know where that idea came from, but it's terrible. It's terrible for sex and it's terrible for um, any other aspect of your relationship. If you have an expectation, communicate it and ask for it and put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our brains work totally different. Number one. So we got that going on and then, you know, (laughs) What's interesting about that whole dance is um, it reminds me of like polarity work, which I work in as well. But it's like it's your differences that actually attracted you to one another. And then you get into a relationship and you're like mad that the person isn't showing up like you. But that if they did, you there would be no attraction, you know, and because they're the opposite, they can't read your mind, you know, nor should they be able to like really that is the work of communication. Like I always say, and, and maybe you were felt the same way when you were in your pastoral duty, but if someone came, comes to me and they're like, Oh, we never fight or have any conflicts. I'm like, that is such a, red you don't flag. have a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have like, you are going to bump up against each other. That's what you're doing in relationship. You're still trying to get those needs met from childhood. You, you know, you are working through and seeing where you still have growth in your, in yourself. And so this idea that like, oh no, you know, like that go along to get along, that's not communicate, that's assume, that's expect. I mean, it causes so much underlying resentment in relationship. So yeah, speaking my uh, language. And you, and you do, I mean, you touched on that, that idea of growth, right? This is, this is where growth happens. It's like a crucible. If you don't heat it up and you don't get it hot, then the impurities can't rise to the top. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you, you said couples that never fight don't have a real relationship because they've never pushed each other They're not to, communicating. to grow. They've never pushed each other to another level. And the only way you get to another level is, is in the heat. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we're up to different things in relationship now. So I think before we, it was about like creating a big family to run a farm or whatever. Like there was a purpose for like ownership and connection and relationship that way. There's no purpose really for that anymore. You know, like women don't necessarily need men to support them anymore. And, you know, the dynamic has totally changed. So what we're up to is really more about like, I mean, that's container relationship is your biggest container for growth. So when people are like, I'll just stay single, that's easy. I'm like, cool, go for it. But your growth and evolution is going to happen in your relationship. And it's against, it's up against, you know, what gets stirred up really. Cause that's your growth edge. Oh, so good. Yeah. I mean, mean, we've been talking about um, just the environment and being able to know and 
accept criticism, whether, you know, so feedback being positive and negative. So you're going to hear what you're good at. You're going to hear what you're bad at, but you can't acknowledge either of those if somebody doesn't tell you. Right. Yeah. Or you don't feel that trigger. I mean, yeah. you know, that like, I think that's become a pretty like popular word recently. And this idea that like someone's triggering you, but really if you're feeling triggered, it's because there's something for you to look at. Instead of yourself, you know, my, my favorite, yeah, my favorite story with that, my, my mom and dad and my mom and dad were married 55 years um, before my mom passed, but they'd gone on, on a trip. They both, they were retired. And so RV in, they're going across the country and in taking their, their camper and, um, mom's down in, yeah, mom's co-piloting, navigating and something went wrong and they, they missed a turn. And of course it's hard to turn the stupid thing around. And, and, uh, I, I, I can envision all that happened. And my dad literally blew a gasket and literally in, it ended up like with an ulcer that was bleeding inside of him and, and ended up in the hospital. And when we talked on the phone, cause they were down in Texas, um, he says, you've got to tell your mother to stop making me mad. And I'm like, uh, that's not how it works, dad. <laughs> and, and I know that he knew that. I know that they've done, done gone through this, but what was happening was my mom's Alzheimer's was, this was one of the early symptoms showing up and they, she'd gotten lost and, and, and didn't, she got confused. And of course, in the moment of confusion, he's upset because they're missing a turn and it's hard to move, you know, hard to turn around and, and it hadn't happened before. And so he's almost like, I feel like you did this on purpose and now we're, you know, now we're stuck in this situation. And, and so I think there was some confusion for him as well. Cause it just didn't make any sense that my mom had gotten lost after, you know, all these years of trustworthy navigation. And so, um, but, but it was one of those moments of, uh, you know, tell your mother not to make me mad. And it was like, uh, you know, that's not how this works, right? <laughs> Only okay. you can control how, whether or not you get mad or not. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a good, thankfully, I have a, a fantastic relationship with my father and, and he was very open to to to, to coaching and, and reminding that, you know, that's this is on you. <laughs> and awesome. uh, yeah, and he owned it. But but I, I, I just there's so many people that are more than willing to I mean, Blame. we call it the victim role, but ultimately they're putting that responsibility for their emotions, for their feelings on somebody else. And first mm -hmm. of all, no partner can satisfy you to that level. No partner can make you happy. No partner can keep you happy and no partner can, can give you joy at that level. I mean, that's an unfair expectation all around, but, but the idea that they're causing your emotions is, <laughs> is, is a good challenge to face and, and obviously a great place for growth. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always think of, uh, this line in Jerry Maguire that I used to love that movie. I used to think it was so romantic. And now we got a such a load of crap like that. You complete me line. I mean, nobody can be responsible for your happiness except you, you know, or any other emotion and emotion is just wisdom. You know, a, a lot of the work that I do is very somatic in nature, which means that we're dealing with the nervous system. And it's so interesting. I actually just, this morning had a conversation with my partner where I was so aware his nervous system was activated and living in the past. 
Mm. He wasn't even talking to me. He was talking to his ex-wife. You know what I mean? And it, we do that so often. So our nervous systems will be like, okay, I, this feels very familiar to me. I know how this went last time and it responds in that same way. And so we create these neural pathways over and over and over again that like tell us that this is the way it is. And if we're not super aware of it, so it's like another layer of that emotional component. If we are projecting our activation and everything on the outside, we're not looking at why we're having those responses on the inside. I was just um, doing a video before this about meeting our own needs. I'm, I'm creating a program and this piece of it is around like the, the things that you needed from your, your primary caretaker that you never got, not that they weren't doing an amazing job. They just didn't meet your needs in the way that you needed them met, that you're still trying to act out in every single other relationship oh. moving forward. And so often we're going, why does this thing keep happening to us? But we're not looking at like the one common denominator as to why that might actually be going on. I'm still a little kid with the drawing begging mom to put it on the refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, and, it, and the sad thing is when, when people have multiple broken relationships and they still don't recognize that, yeah. that it's, this is an inside job, not not a partner job. Right. I'm going to go get a different partner. It will be different this time. Oh, wait. Did that just happen again? Huh. Well, they attract, and they attract the same exact character every single time because, because they haven't dealt with the thing inside of them that's attracting this bad, bad juju. Yeah. It's, it's familiar. It's so interesting. Like we will live from a familiar pain always unless we look at it and actually do the work to heal it. It's fascinating. That, that awareness piece is so powerful. And I think, you know, it's awareness of our limitations. Noel talks about the awareness of the malware, the, the bad programming in inside of us. Yeah. How that, how that creates, yeah. How that creates beliefs. And, and I like, I'm obviously the somatic work, recognizing how those beliefs impact your nervous system impact your reaction and and obviously conversations with exes can can certainly poof, send us back right yeah. into that space um i think some for some people it's they can jump right back i mean i can jump back to moments that the drill instructor's yelling at me 30 yeah. years ago i can jump back to moments where my father was was yelling at me and and having the awareness that this thing this trigger <laughs> just sent you back and you are literally that little boy again cowering before your father with his belt in his hand going uh because yeah. of, because of this and and you're unless you've had the awareness of it and allowed yourself to rewire it it will your brain can't help but take you back there yeah i mean you have to you have to retrain it to realize you're not back there you have to create safety you actually have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations in which you prove it wrong. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I'm doing this thing. Like for my partner, it would be like not shutting down and communicating with me and I'm not dying, you know, because then we get into like attachment styles and that's a whole other thing that we're playing off of, which is attached to our nervous system as well. And so it's, we just have to keep, and it's uncomfortable, which is why people don't like it or want to do it. 
because it doesn't feel good. Well, I mean, it's and ultimately recognizing that's the brain in survival mode. That's the yeah. brain. That's the brain trying to avoid fight or flight and and staying in comfort. Um, and and the truth is, the brain is still a thousand years behind evolution of our reality. Right. I mean, the brain doesn't deal with this technology and the speed of technology and the speed of things that are happening around us. The brain is ultimately overwhelmed, which is partly why so many people are living in stress and anxiety just yeah. from the world around them. Yeah. Right. And putting them into fight or flight before they even deal with something that's emergent. Right. Well, most of the time people don't even aware they're in a stress cycle till they're in it. If they even know, you know, I remember in my past life, I was living in a stress cycle, which now. And then that, and then that extra bit, like a conversation with an ex, because we're in stress and flight, fight and flight and our, job or, and our brains dumping adrenaline and cortisol on a regular basis. And then something emergent happens like as simple as a flat tire or as terrible as losing a job or, or a fight with a spouse. And now we're into we're into death fight mode because <laughs> it yeah. switches to, to, to even deeper. And I think I, the sad thing to me is that we've normalized this level of stress and anxiety. Like it's an expectation. You look at people's Facebook feeds and this is, this is, this is normal where they're living. And I want to scream out, no, you can live in joy. You don't have to be this way. Yeah. Yeah, they're addicted to they're addicted, <laughs> we get addicted to it. Like even like you were saying, like in our relationships, we get addicted to that um, push pull, the dance of um, feeling activated and not you know safe activated, safe activated. If that's like how we were taught when we were younger, that that was taught our nervous systems that was safe. We will continue to seek it out, and then we do it the rest of our lives usually unconscious. I just did a retreat this last weekend where we were working with stress cycles and this came up because, you know, what are, like you were saying, our brains are still wired from like primitive times where they are wired to react to like a threat of being chased by a, like a tiger or something. You know right. what I mean? And what happens is like in nature, if you watch a deer, if it escapes whatever is hunting it, it will shake off like the rest of its stress hormones. We don't do that. We just keep storing them down into our body over and over. We almost get addicted to that stress cycle. And for women, we're in that stress cycle for 24 hours. So most of us never get out of it. You know what I mean? Until we learn to like actually pay attention to what's happening in the physical body. Um, but so many of us live from like here up. That's the other part of this. Like we're all walking around just floating heads disconnected from our bodies. Like you said, it's living in the in the comfort area. We don't want to be uncomfortable. So why try something new, even though that might be more healthy? It might help us grow out of this. But this, I know, I know how to react here. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it's unconscious for the majority of people. They don't even realize that that there's another option. Yeah. They're only experiencing adrenaline and cortisol. And like you said, not only does the deer shake it off. The deer runs away. And in the running, the deer is using that adrenaline. We're not running. We're getting these dumps of adrenaline and cortisol. And we're sitting at our desk. We're driving our car. We're sitting yeah. on the couch. And and you don't recognize what's happening to your body. And then, of course, you go to the doctor and you say, doctor, I'm sad. I just don't feel right. And or so now sick. we've got, 
we've got this whole yeah, all this sickness. this whole line of medicines now that are just designed to take the edge off. Right. I call that and, the slapping lipstick on a pig because it right. doesn't make the issue go away. It's not. It's not. We're not looking at the cause, and we're not. Right. Helping, we're not helping people own their brain. Yeah. Own your brain. You get to control it. You get to be in charge of it. It's making ninety five percent of the decisions for you but you get to program it. You get to choose and nobody's choosing They're they're, And like you said, she said, you know, only 2%, two to 5% of people are willing to push up against this and make a change. And that's heartbreaking to me. It's heartbreaking. Cause I know what it's like to live in joy. I know what it's like to, to, to have a great sex life. And, and I know what, what it's, what the body's meant to do. Yeah. And it's so much better. It's so yeah. much better. I do feel like things are shifting, like I said before. And I think part of that is that, especially over the last few years, it's like we collectively got to sit in discomfort. Like nobody was got got out of that situation. Right. You know what I mean? And it was an opportunity to like really look at what is working and what is not. And what I've noticed is the people who like really embraced it and leaned in, it was like a catalyst for like what needs to shift in my life so that I can stop living. Because I think a lot of times, like, like you said, people aren't even aware. Another thing is growth does not happen in the comfort. Like there has to be discomfort in order to move through it. The thing that we don't realize is that I always think of Eckhart Tolle. He talks about the pain body. So many of us just live there because we, that's, that's what we think of as being normal, you know, well, women, especially because I think women have a higher pain tolerance. Obviously their bodies were designed to pop out human beings, which is a whole other level of pain. And I think, I think we've, we've normalized some pains like that. And I think we've made it okay. Like it's okay to be in this pain. And, and of course it's an awareness that says, wait, that's not normal. What do you mean? That's not normal. This is yeah, all I know. Most people are disconnected. So I was thinking more emotional pain, but you're absolutely right. Like some people until like you were talking about people not owning their emotions, like those are it's energy in motion is, is my favorite saying around emotion. And whatever you don't deal with ends up like a lot of the work I do is helping people get the stuff out of their like body that they have stuck down there. And a lot of times it's emotion. And a lot of times it's because we're taught that like being sad is weak and angry is scary and bad and all of that. But if you don't, that's what causes disease. You know, that's where all that psychosomatic illness comes up. I know that. Well, I had stomach issues. They could never figure out what was wrong with me. It's because I was like stuffing all of this stuff down inside. You know, a lot of times people will have back pain. It starts to show up in your body physically. If you ignore it long enough, you can't anymore. Eventually something's going to show up that you're, you have to pay attention to. Yeah. It makes you, your body definitely reacts and will tell you to stop make you stop if you're not going to listen. Well, not yeah, there's no doubt like we've been told don't be angry, don't be sad, don't don't cry and and we stop that energy. We put a block up and uh, we stuff it literally stuff it down inside. And so where does it manifest? In our gut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's just another level of awareness to recognize I mean, I think emotions should be taught right alongside that relationship communication class, right? The idea yep. of what emotions really are and and how if you experience the emotion, allow it to flow all the way through you, guess what? It goes away. Yeah. Because it's it's really a warning light, right? 
I mean, anger means something. Sadness sure. means something. Wanting to cry means something. And and we've never been given permission to go, well, what does that mean? We've always been, just been told, stop it. Right? Well, I think Don't either do that, that or like some people will get really the other side of that. And I did this. I'm a very emotional person and I used to over identify with my emotions. You know, I was sad, which made me sad, which was very upsetting to me, which made me more sad, you know, and I get this <laughs> right. sadness where now I'm like, if I feel sad, I just allow like the tears to flow. And it's usually like two or three minutes later. And I'm like, oh, okay, it feels so much better. You know, we don't have to get stuck over identifying with them on the other side of that. Well, and, and that's, I think, the, the way of shaking it off, right? You talk about the deer shakes off all those extra chemicals and oh. allowing the emotion to flow, right? I mean, I think about our grandson and, and he definitely, he gets frustrated and he gets angry, but all his mom tells him to do is stop. And it's like, no, just, just let him go for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Let it, let it, let it run. It has it's, to express. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, otherwise I, it's going to get stuck. Right. Yeah. I teach a lot of like, uh, especially for women, because I feel like we've been told like our primal wildness is not okay. And that's part of who we are. It's like, give yourself a safe space to like punch pillows, rage out, you know, don't store that stuff inside because it gives you ulcers. Like what happened to your dad, you know? Absolutely. Well, and, and, and I think it's another place we have to give ourselves permission to experience our emotions, to recognize that they're the body and the brain telling you something. It's like a it's like a warning light on the dashboard, and you can't just tape over it and expect the problem to be gone. Right. You've got to acknowledge it. And and I don't think we ask ourselves enough questions about them, right? Like, like obviously in the moment of anger, you can't, but it it shortly thereafter you can say, Wow, what was that? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and your body will tell you, your brain will tell you what what expectation wasn't being met or what. What frustration? Why is why are you frustrated? And typically, it's selfishness. Typically, there's something going on that isn't you know it's an unmet expectation. Yeah, yeah, and, and need that's not being spoken. You know, and, and that's why you you have this expectation, but you haven't asked for it yet either. Yeah, <laughs> so it's your own fault. You got to own it. Yeah, oh, there's this so um, this meditation teacher who um, I was dealing with some anger and frustration when I was up seeing her, and she reminded me that those two emotions in particular mean that. You, you are disappointed that something is not different in your mm -hmm. life. And that is information. Like something is not aligned and it is not working out for you. So yeah, emotions are just deep wisdom. We shouldn't ignore them because they are trying to tell us something before it's too late. Well, and like you said, not get overwhelmed by them either. Yes. Be able to be able to process them. And I, and I think yeah, we need a place that teaches us to process emotions in a healthy way, and like use a safe space. Yes. Yeah, because if it's not safe, you're not you're you're feeling ashamed. You're not going to share. I mean, we've talked about that in lots of different situations. Hmm. In order for somebody to open up, they have to be willing and understanding and comfortable. Which totally goes back to like the whole thing about communication, you know, mm -hmm. and connection and partnership. Like so often, people don't feel safe to actually ask for what they need which is part of what I love what I do because I'm teaching people how to create that safety to actually be seen and heard, which is ultimately what we all want. Oh and yeah. Cause we're all still those little kids trying to get mom to put our picture on the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> just, just see me, just see me, please yeah. see me. And, and we're screaming out to the world. We want the world to see us that, that acknowledgement that, that you're okay. You're, 
you're part of us. Yeah, <laughs> you're so, seen, you're heard, you're enough, you're worthy. So important. Yeah. Erin, what's your biggest challenge? For me personally? In, in business or, yeah, or personally. Yeah, I would say like the thing I've really struggled with the most over the last few years is that I'm a single mom solopreneur. So it's the uh, constant finding a balance between running my business and showing up for my kids, which is why I wanted to own my own business. Right. I could have that, you know, that freedom. So, yeah, I would say that especially when the breaks hit, like summer break every year rattles me. So I figured it out this year. I'm like scheduling time off. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. All right. So now our entrepreneurial guests have listened to uh, an amazing conversation over the last 40 minutes. And you want to leave them with Aaron's words of wisdom. What would you share? Oh, my goodness. Well, attune to your nervous system. Like that's information and emotion. Like we're saying, like really the most important relationship you can have and the deepest intimacy you can have is with yourself. Until you work on that and really figure that out, you'll never be able to create what it is that you want externally. Well, Aaron, wonderful conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, just look forward to, to seeing the, what the future holds for you and all of us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by intentional decisions that lead to massive success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They're qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at addvaluemindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities, they will change your life and business. I promise you a new level of results in the coming year. The problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important. These tools will help you refocus on what matters most. When you align your passion with your purpose in your work, you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place, like spending more quality time with the kids. To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to addvaluemindset.com. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Kathy Riley shares the shine as she spent 20 years using her gifts and talents to support lawyers. She decided to shift and use those gifts for others. Her journey of discovering that the world needed her voice and she wanted to be a role model for her daughter. She shares how she works to empower and encourage others.